Podcast Revolution Network presents The Way with Noah. Awesome. Welcome to another edition of With the Way with Anoa. I am really excited today. I'm always excited when I do my show, but I get to be in studio, which is super awesome today. Um, new studio space that I'm trying out, so hopefully this all works. But I'm joined by two of my most favorite people here in Atlanta, across the South, and really in life generally. Aww. I'm in studio with Amy Castanel, who's hey. just an all-around dope person, and we are joined on the phone by the truly ever-amazing Insay Ufat, Executive Director of the New Georgia Project. Thank you both for joining me this afternoon. Oh, thanks for having us. And for all the delightful words. I mean, because y'all are the absolute best ever. I'm doing the hand heart thing. (laughs) And I'm just saying, we (laughs) I Mutual admiration society. So um, first, I'm going to kick it to Insay so we could just start off like, I want to just start off first because it's a lot happening this week. I mean, we are this week marked the sixth anniversary of the Shelby v. Holder case. um, And we have seen, you know, serious erosion of rights around voting in particular, um, you know, in the last several years, but particularly with that case and the gutting of the Voting Rights Act and um, the the call to action for not just restoration of the Voting Rights Act, right, but there are so many other provisions and measures that need to be taken. And now this morning we saw um, the Supreme Court um, refuse to address the the menace that is partisan, quote-unquote partisan gerrymandering. I just wanted to get your your kind of thoughts on this this, in in context of this week and in context of our work overall here in Georgia and nationally. I mean, from where I stand, functionally, essentially, the Supreme Court has just doubled down on their reasoning um, that they put forth in Shelby. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, my concern is that racial gerrymandering and party gerrymandering are so aligned Mm -hmm. um, that there are times where it's difficult to determine um, which is which because functionally they end up impacting the same people um, or similar groups of people. Mm. Um, I think that we need a full restoration of the Voting Rights Act. I'm super clear about that. Um, Stacey Abrams in her testimony before Congress this week, you know, uh, offered the idea that uh, that every state needs preclearance. Right. Uh, every state needs to be a preclearance state before they make changes and infri- infringe upon the right to vote. And I feel like there's a way to, and I kind of agree with her. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that is the most common sense way to go about it because then you don't have this like hurt feelings aspect of people thinking like, oh, but my state isn't like that anymore. Oh, we've made all these changes. Oh, it's 2021 or whatever it will be in the future. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Like, right. there won't be this, like, this person has to do this, but this other person doesn't have to do this. This, like, idea of unfairness. When, in reality, like, no, we should all be checking to make sure that we're not infringing upon people's rights when we make changes. Period. Right. I, I also think that it's just super interesting. Um, I, I saw a meme on the internet that said that, that the Supreme Court basically said, uh, it's above me now. I <laughs> know. <laughs> I saw <laughs> Uh, they basically like it's above me now um, as it relates to partisan gerrymandering. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that uh, one of my, and, but it goes back to, uh, but it also bleeds into their decision around the census today, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that folks are excited about is that they struck the citizenship question from the census. Uh, but essentially, what the Supreme Court says is that. Uh, the bullshit that you offered as justification for the mm-hmm. census question, it's illegal. We're striking it down. The bullshit that you offered as justification for partisan gerrymandering is legal. You can keep that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so basically go back, 
finesse the question, uh, finesse the citizenship question, or finesse your justification, and, you know, try it again. Right, um, right. I think that the folks who are proponents of both of those, it's the same people, it's the same argument. It is partisan, but it's also racial, um, mm-hmm. and it's also about power. Um, and one, they could not sell, or they could not find constitutional support for the other they were able to say, you know, listen, we can't touch political questions. We can't touch, I'm sorry, we can't touch partisan questions, so we're not going to deal with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think you raised some really good points there and, 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 you know, noting about the strategy in terms of the proponents of these issues. I mean, it's the same thing we've seen with the abortion bans, right? Like really understanding the landscape. It's easy to get excited that the question was struck down, so to speak. But when you get into the minutia of what is actually in that decision, um, you're right uh, that that basically the rationale was that not that the question itself is problematic Mm -hmm. or illegal or unconstitutional. It is the rationale to defend the question. And it really gets into, you know, the Administrative Procedure Act and what agencies have to do and the steps that they have to take to justify and and rationalize the decision. So basically, they're like, this is not a good decision. Like you said, you gave us bullshit. You gave us crap. You gave us bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, Go back and do better. Make sure you actually follow your internal. They basically gave them a roadmap to how to fix what they messed up. And I mean, no disrespect, but this is why people don't like lawyers. (laughs) (laughs) She says talking to two lawyers. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) This is some like, you know, high stepping dance maneuver, legal bullshit to like help people do something terrible. Right, right, right. Definitely like the Matrix version, (laughs) like the back bend, you know, uh, uh, Olympic gymnast approach. Uh, to governing. This right. is the dance, dance revolution approach to setting judicial precedent. But that is what we see right now with the Roberts Court, right? I mean, and that's yeah. the problem with the Supreme Court and how... Yeah, because they think they're cute. They're like, oh, we're gonna like make these decisions by not making a decision. Right, and, and I, I mean, right. and even talking about like, by framing this as purely partisan, when we know that is completely false, like that is what they're able to hide behind, and that is why the Republican Party adapted the strategy, strategy right. which they've admitted, right? Like, there's documented, there's documentation that explains why this is the strategy they 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 chose because they know they can't do it solely based on race, but they know this still gets them the 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 same outcome. And to, for the Supreme Court to just say, yeah, well, you know, mm, yeah, we can't touch it no matter what, but you know what the intent is behind it like you understand this has a discriminatory animus behind it it has a racial animus behind it that mm-hmm. you can touch so it's for the supreme court to say that this was a non-justiciable uh, 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 issue for them was it's not astonishing it's not surprising it's completely like you know believable considering the, the makeup of the court mm-hmm. but at the same time it's just like really y'all like really like come on now like do better right. But Please, right. the Supreme Court, you know, we sh- we should also stop pretending like the Supreme Court is a nonpartisan entity anyway, right? I mean, it's evident in the way decisions are made. Oftentimes, um, even with you know the the recent decision um, in which Thomas had that that long uh, rendition of fake news around abortion, basically, it's extremely partisan, yeah. and it's and it's very problematic. But this also raises you know the concerns about. How do we move forward and what does it look like to do advocacy work around, as we're talking about these issues of redistricting, how do we organize and build collective power and say, with these types of restrictions being held up or with the Supreme Court giving guidance on the oppressor for how to keep oppressing us but make sure they're doing yeah. it within the confines of make the Make sure you are, yeah, exactly. <laughs> We have to play to win. Mm-hmm. And, what I'm, and what I mean by that is we have to build power we have to build power. We have to win. We have to know that the 2020 elections matter because not only are we electing a president, mm-hmm. but people are electing state legislators all across the country. And in your state and in mine, 
the people who get elected in 2020 are going to be the people who are at the negotiating table Mm -hmm. um, and the folks who are going to be drawing the maps and drawing the lines, right? Mm -hmm. 2020 also matters because of the census. So conspiracy theories aside, actual lived experience with the, um, you know, in, in terms of your relationship with the government aside, the census matters. Where our folks are, how many people um, exist in your community, how many people have moved in, how many people have moved out, what communities get what resources, the census informs a lot of that, Mm -hmm. right? So, and then 2021 is the year where people are actually going to redraw the maps, right? And so that matters because that determines whether or not people get to elect their leaders or do leaders and elected representatives get to pick the people who get to vote for them. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. you, you know, um, and so being being more sophisticated, being grown up about how we fight this fight, that it didn't happen overnight, right? So when we talk to people about why we got to show up and we got to show up proper in 2020, Mm -hmm. it's to get rid of orange foolies, but it's also (laughs) to set us up. It's also designed to set us up to win in the long term. Mm. Yeah, I mean, everything you said is exactly correct. And I do want to, I feel like, you know, it's like a theme that black people love conspiracy theories. Um, but we need to, like, really double down on that fact in this moment because, like, it's not just a conspiracy theory. These are actual real things that are happening. But if we if we want to believe that there's, like, a plot afoot, then we need to be doing the work now. We can't sit there and say, like, oh, well, you know, the census probably is a mess, but, like, I don't want to deal with the government. I don't want to be involved. Like, count me out. And then be mad in 2021 when they're redrawing these maps and we still get fucked. Can I, can I say that? Yeah, you, can say fuck, <laughs> you know, we rat, I mean, I mean, gerrymandering is being rat fucked, right? Like, so, I mean, like, yeah. But, um, well, I mean, we're seeing it now. It's 2019. The Supreme Court just said, uh, do your worst. <laughs> Enjoy yourselves. Here's the field of play. Here's how you can do it so we won't say no. And you know, go with God. And so now we, I mean, we all have eyes on that. Like we can all see the writing on the wall. So now we have to do the work of like making sure that we actually do get counted. We actually do elect people who represent us. So how do we break it down to the masses and say, because, because that's the real, that's the real key, right? Like, you know, we don't need to, we do need to implore upon like, I mean, the powers that be are going to continue, like, not having a winning strategy or winning attitude. They have a bad game face, whatever. We, you know, fuck all that noise. We need to get straight to the people. And I know that's a lot of the work that you've built out over the last several years with the New Georgia Project and the organizing that's happening here in the state of Georgia, as well as work that you've been a part of, you know, elsewhere. And, like, we got to reach the people, right? We got to reach the people because we need the people to be in this with us. That's why we're doing this work, right, is for yeah. us. And, <laughs> and for say, our you're family. our only hope. <laughs> Help us to say one, Kenobi. You're our only hope. Yes. Give us the blueprint. Listen, I would say this, that um, as always, 2020 is about what's going on in the White House. But what's more important is that 2020 2020 is about what's going on in your house, right? Mm. And, And if you live in Georgia, right? Uh, we need to get our house in order, that we need to uh, fundamentally um, flip the balance of power in the state legislature, right? Like that really, really, really matters. Um, That we need to figure out a way to like let ordinary citizens and like regular people know um, that uh, flipping the Georgia state legislature will mean that we can move Georgia's minimum wage above $5 and 15 cents. Right. Mm-hmm. Because r- right now Georgia's minimum wage is below the federal minimum wage of seven twenty five, And you right. can't raise it. You can't take care of yourself on seven twenty five, let alone the five fifteen in the state of Georgia. No, indeed. What we tell people is that what's going on in our house is that Georgia is about to close 12 hospitals in rural Georgia, in rural parts of the state. So you already live in Willacoochee, and it takes an ambulance 30 minutes to get to your farm in the event that you collapse and have a heart mm-hmm. attack in the middle of your field. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about an hour and a half. You're going to die. 
right? People are going to die. That's not hyperbole. That's actual facts. That's real talk. Right? Right? Half of Georgia's counties, y'all heard me say it before, do not have OBGYN. So women, poor women, women of color, women who live in rural parts of the state will likely have, um, are going to have a higher burden, a higher hurdle to clear in order to get access to quick um, reproductive health care, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, these are things that have to get done in Georgia. And for a long time, black elected officials and white elected officials, Republicans and Democrats, have been completely unaccountable to the people in the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. They They are out here doing awful things in your name and daring us to say something about it and banking on the fact that we're not paying attention, banking on the fact that, like, you know, that there won't be any consequences for their actions. And so all I want to do, all I want to say to ordinary people is, and, like, regular folks, um, is, like, we have to show up and be consistent. Mm -hmm. That your vote matters, that... If it was, if it didn't matter, they wouldn't be fighting so hard to take it away. That it is literally the least that we can do to make sure that um, your vision for the world, like, has a fighting chance. Mm-hmm. Right? That's that's all I'm saying. And you know what? I was talking to one of the organizers at the New Georgia Project, and she said that like the way she grew up, she was living in a, a place of like just survival. Like, the way that her life was set up, it was all about survival. And so she wasn't focused on anything except, like, what was in her immediate mm-hmm. surroundings. Mm-hmm. And and now she's moved herself into a place where she can, like, look towards, a, like, a, a thrive mentality. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. the, this is the position that these legislators have put us in in Georgia. Like, we are in a place of survival. If you're, like, trying to figure out, like, how am I going to get to a doctor when the doctor is an hour and a half away? How is uh, my partner going to, like... Can I afford the can doctor? Can I afford the doctor? Like, my job mm-hmm. only pays me enough that I'm, like, making a decision between, like, rent and lights and food and shoes and whatever other, like, basic necessities you need mm-hmm. to survive. Like, that's a hard place to be to also be thinking about, like, oh, my God, like, gerrymandering is a real issue here. But <laughs> I think you're making a good point. Like, if we are not giving folks a chance to like tell their story in the context of this larger problem, then we're like doing them a disservice because they, they need to know that like what they're experiencing is not like a personal thing. That's all your own problem and nobody else is doing it. Like we're all out here struggling, like hard for all of us is harder for some than others, but we got to work together to flip this. Right. I appreciate also and say what you were saying about accountability and how we have people who have been doing a whole bunch of different things in our name across the board, right? Regardless of party, mm-hmm. regardless of race and background and all the other good stuff. I mean, we got some good fighters, you know, but they're few and far between. And talk to us a little bit about accountability accountability into this work. Because I remember the first converse one of the first conversations you and I had about Stacey Abrams, right, going into um, the primary, I think or around the primary time or whatever, one of the first things you said to me was like, you know, Stacy, you were going on and on and about things or whatever. And you was like, Stacy is ours, but she also knows that we will come to her <laughs> if things ain't right. <laughs> and like, that was so powerful, but that, but Actual, real talk, factuals. but that was real. But I like a pre, cause I have been trying to figure out like, what does this look like? How do we do this? Like, I know we could build this into the process of supporting good people to do the work that we need them to do, mm-hmm. but we also have to be prepared to shift from, Oh, we just got to get them in. Then we'll deal with it later. I mean, if you just get people in and then try to do, why are they going to talk to you after you done got them in? You did all the work and didn't get anything for it. Why would they talk to you? But if you right. are bringing something to the table and making it really clear on the front end, and I just appreciate it when you said that, you know, and then, you know, moments later we're celebrating and it's like, who's Stacey? Our Stacey, but still, right? Like right. like, like a candidate or, or an entity, you know, being our, like taking ownership of a process and not being afraid to ask for what we need and deserve because closed mouths don't get fed. Like, you know, mm-hmm. talk to us just a little bit about, you know, how do we build that accountability and legitimacy into the process, whether we're directly supporting candidates or not, or just advocating on issues? Cause you know, we still gotta go 
even once we elect people, we still got to get down to the state house. We still got to call them even if we elect them and they are governor. You know, whatever it is, we still got to follow through. The follow through is what I think a lot of us, I mean, and granted, yeah. like 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 Amy was saying, we all struggle. We all got a lot of work to do. But how do we, you know, build and help guide, you know, that process <coughs> of accountability from start to all the way through when people are yeah. serving? I like, so I have been sitting with and, um, you know, turning over the concept of co-governance mm. in my mind, right? Mm. Because the thing is, um, being on the outside, right, and organizing and, and throwing rocks at the throne and, like, trying to get our seat at the table is one particular orientation, right? right. What, ha- what happens when we win? Mm-hmm. Right, because I fundamentally, I'm not, I'm not doing this work because um, I'm bored. Right, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm not, do, I'm not doing this work because I can't do anything else. I'm doing this work a because I, it's important and necessary, and I 100% believe that we're going to win. Mm-hmm. Right, and so, the, but the real question becomes, what happens when we win? And so, I, I, again, I've been thinking about it, and. Um, that work starts today, right? So yeah. when I think about co-governance, I think about, you know, A, recruiting our folks to mm-hmm. run and when <clears throat> and put them in positions, but then also that the work begins on election day, right? Like mm-hmm. the yeah. work begins the day after election day. Yeah. Um, one of my frustrations, and I'm a, and I'm not gonna name any names. Like y'all know how I do, but I'm not gonna name any names to pr- protect the to protect the guilty. Um, <laughs> but you know, there were some freshman um, uh, legislators who were elected in the wave election in 2018 who are out here fucking up. Right. Right. Um, And part of it is, you know, I think that they were overwhelmed with the amount of information. And so they took bad votes because folks lied to them. Their Mm. colleagues um, across the aisle um, lied to them about the impact of the bills that they were voting for. Their staff were junior and unprepared to interpret and give their member high quality information. So I think that what accountability looks like or what co-governance looks like is having our folks as staff people, Mm, as policy folks. Mm -hmm. Um, It looks like, you know, um, coming with what is the New Georgia Project position or what's the New Georgia Project Action Fund position on House Bill A, B, C, and D. So our work isn't over when we get people elected and when we get folks sit down. And making sure that, like, our members and the people who rock with us know that we hired you, we can also fire you. Right. 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 But saying that to electeds, but then also acting like we believe it. Right. right. It's like you don't hire it. somebody and then like give them the job and then walk away for six months and right. then and then come back right. mad that they did it wrong. It's like, no, right. actually, right. like if you want me to be successful in my job, then you have to actually work with me and and help basically onboard me into this new position right. that I've never had before and give right. me the tools to succeed. Set me up for success. Right. I mean, shout out right. to City Councilwoman Nikki Fortunato Bass out in Oakland, you know, didn't necessarily work in the mayoral election, but in her city council race, she was among the progressive cohort that was actually championing for the prior city council person. That person didn't do what they were supposed to do, broke some promises, crossed some union picket lines and stuff like that. Ooh. And, uh, you know, the community came back and was like, yo, Nikki. And Nikki was like, yo, what's up? And he ain't doing right. Okay, I'm running. And she replaced him. Yeah. So that's, there are that's, no that's safe seats. There are no safe seats. I mean, seats. say like, it again for the folks in the yo. back. There are no safe seats. We're not out here, like, <laughs> reserving a chair for somebody because they said they wanted it. It's like, all right, well, you got to prove it. Come on, somebody. (laughs) So switch it over a little bit because I know you got a lot going on, um, you know, running all the things and doing everything that you got going on. But just want to get some of your thoughts on the presidential shifting to the presidential debate. We last night saw half of the top 20, um, 
you know, doing their thing on the base. Well, some of them were doing their thing. Some yeah. of them, it's just like, why are you here? <laughs> some of them were literally holding space. Literally just taking up. <laughs> they were manspreading uh. on the base stage. Like, why are you here? <laughs> um, so we had the first round up, you know what I'm saying? You know, The Root has this whole black power ranking. I want to hear from Insay, you know, what her thoughts were, what her power ranking, so to speak, was for last night who showed up who showed out and who just needs to go home and keep in mind bill de blasio has a black son (laughs) factor that in (laughs) i'll be honest i I, so full disclosure i did not watch the entire debate um between my adhd and like oh girl it was a lot (laughs) it was was just a lot it was just i was just people and they're talking and i just uh you don't want to watch um, extreme close-ups of 45 people sweating through their eyeballs? I don't. I don't. And neither do I also want to see, like, watch the, the see Chuck Todd scalp through his hair. <laughs> right? I just don't. I don't. Right? And, like, it, you know. He might have actually been the biggest loser last oh, night. Oh, Between no. the moment when, I don't know if you were still watching, when they were just, and so this is the other thing, right? That also does, the production quality does factor into people's ability. Oh, 100%. Also, this is an aside, but I feel like it's important to mention. Donald Trump bought a banner ad on YouTube yes. for the debate, which that means that that ad, I mean, I don't, I have no idea how much he spent. It was probably $8 billion, but that ad was seen by more people than ever watched that debate, period. And, and he also took out wow. ads in the paper. I just Miami need everybody to recognize the, the strategy too. that's happening surrounding this so, thing that has nothing so to do with these quickly, Democratic candidates. Before we get to like all these lame people who don't know how to do a lot of things right, but like, it's not that he's smart necessarily no. or has good instincts it's the fact that he and his team are are crafty and they know how to exploit weakness yes yes and like the democratic party is weak in this area no 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 you don't Let think so you, I, I think that they know how to exploit media ah yeah. there you media go well the media is weakness yeah, absolutely. No, are, good, uh, good. Uh, they're uh, they're obsessed with process stories. Yeah, Hundo they, <laughs> right? They are um, um, in a lot of ways. For I mean, not most of them, not all of them, but most of them are insulated from actual the actual impacts. Of right. The, awful um, policies and the awful politics of the current administration. They don't come from our communities. They don't love us. Mm-hmm. Um, and they think that uh, that their number one goal like, is to, you know, sell papers, um, right. get ratings. clicks, get yeah. eyeballs, mm-hmm. ratings, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They have completely abdicated their responsibility as journalists um the line in terms of who is a journalist and who isn't has has been blurred and i feel like they will blame it on bloggers etc but then they turn around establishment media outlets turn around and adopt the same tactics again so it's not about substance right it's about they're giving this motherfucker a ton of earned media um and 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 highlighting the spectacle and the process Absolutely. as opposed to talking about how people actually hurt. So. I appreciate that that segue, Amy. So back to the debate. And, and it's okay. <laughs> I mean, I think what you're saying, though, is a real thing, though, for the American public. And we're, like, really hyper-engaged people. So imagine the average person yeah. with 10 people on a stage for two hours and then all these technical problems, like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, that's my uh, Amy impression uh, there. Oh, that's me. Oh, my God. I know <laughs> Where I was like, were producers really on hot mics? Uh, uh, in the, in the back, they were like, we can hear you. Shit, right, right. Rachel Maddow getting super red in the face. I'm like, yeah. hot mic, hot mic, hot mic. Like really um, hot mic for quite some time there. It was, yeah, it was right, minutes. Right, right. Um, I so from what I saw. Right. Uh, I, I think that there's a growing consensus that Elizabeth Warren um, and Julian Castro mm-hmm. um, had a great had good evenings. Mm-hmm. Um, that that Cory Booker had a good evening, mm-hmm. um, and that um, Bill De Blasio did not. <laughs> um, <laughs> that um, you know. 
there's just a lot of people. I'm sorry. I, 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 I want to talk about that. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the idea that I, I don't know how you have substantive conversations with nine other people on the stage. Like, what were, we, what were we supposed to get you know what? from yesterday? I genuinely think that we're supposed to get uh, the... The idea that, like, yes, this is an open field. There's, like, a million people running. But it, there's very clear people who are qualified for this job, who've done the homework, like, they know what's up. And there, it, it's clear who didn't and who shouldn't even be here. I mean, Amy Klobuchar is a Republican. Like, bye, girl. Go home. No. Why are you right. on this stage? When she started <laughs> talking about, oh, yeah, immigration is good because we need people to work on the farms and in our factories. Right. Like, sis, huh? Yeah. Uh, and no, thank you. Yeah. So, like, now we know she got out there and said her thing in front of everybody. And so now we don't even have to waste our time. Like, I don't have to look at her very ugly green uh, logo but anymore. Problem. But that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem, though, with Democrats, though. Instead of finding a way to communicate issues and values to people across the political spectrum, you know what I'm saying, from a place that's, like, grounded in something real. They, mm-hmm. they try to workshop things to appeal to what they think they want, they need to appeal to, but it's like you're appealing to xenophobia and racism with the way right. you're trying to, like, make people understand why the demographic changes are necessary. That's so problematic. But, I mean, we can't, we literally can't whittle this field down without giving people a chance to do this. I mean, we could just, like, tell all the different variant Kim, Kendall, you know, <laughs> candidates that they just need to go home. I mean, to Tonight's going to be a clusterfuck, but like last night, you know, Tim Ryan, and, and some of these people, I would never be able to tell you who they were if you just showed me a picture of them, but like Ken, Ken, uh, uh, Tim Ryan, Ken, see? Yeah, exactly. Tim Ryan, and then um, Delaney, I'm just like, why are you here? Right. John you Delaney, it, hashtag it, it, who's yesterday, here? What yesterday told me is that there literally is no downside to running for president. And None. maybe that is what Donald Trump's legacy is. But what do you, like, what do you have to lose is super real, right? Like, Bill de Blasio is not going to be our next president of the United States. <laughs> no mayor of New York City has ever won higher office. No. No. I mean, and yes, the largest police force in the country, technically like lightweight, like the sixth largest military force in the world, right? They, no New York City mayor has ever won Senate, right? Has ever <laughs> won governor, has ever won president, right? All the tea and so, all the shade right here. <laughs> right. So why are you here? My thoughts are that, uh, you know, he raised a lot of money. So this, I'm about to nerd out for a quick second. Please do. But it's also, it's also it's all like, love over here. Nerd appreciation right, society. Right, right. <laughs> and so, like, when you run for office and you have these campaign finance committees and then you raise all this money for, like, Bill de Blasio for America or Bill de Blasio for America uh, or for, you know, New York City or whatever, like, you can't use it for other things. Mm-hmm. Right. So they have all this money in their campaign war chest and then you people use it to run for other offices. And so I feel like the finesse for a lot of people on the stage, the play for a lot of people on the stage is to raise money for whatever other ambitions that they have. Right. Yeah. To get their campaign finance war chest up because, I mean, they can't buy a Tesla with it. No. Right. <laughs> right. Right. A campaign Tesla. Right. But also, can, right. they, can they not give that money to? To another candidate or is that against they the can give they they can give it to another candidate um and they can give it to themselves for another campaign right so maybe like be a little less narcissistic and give your money to a candidate that can win they're not gonna do that they don't right. even give it people <laughs> why don't you work even, on their campaign people don't even give away their email list right because that's money <laughs> <laughs> so okay so bill de blasio yeah that was really interesting somebody was like um, Bill de Blasio, like, I have a black son. And they should have been, they were like, Cory Booker should have been like, I am a I black son. I am a son. black son, exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm some mother's black son all day. Yeah. So I know Cory, I know Cory legitimately lives in Newark and he lives like in like a regular ass neighborhood. However, however, must Rick that City. be, must that be a, attached to like, it's not like, you know, I mean, like, come on, dude. I'm happy that he started talking. Who was Cory Booker's fake friend? 
T-Bone. I'm so I'm <laughs> happy to stop talking about T-Bone. I am really he happy. Came, he skated real close to talking about T-Bone I'm last really night. Happy. I'm really happy. I'm really happy that he stopped talking about T-Bone. He stopped talking about his PhD from the streets. Like, <laughs> my dude, this is not some 2006 dance movie, right? Like, and you're not some, like, you know, wannabe hip hopper in the suburbs. Like, come on. I got my hoodie on. <laughs> <laughs> Underneath this suit coat. You're not Channing Tatum, okay? Like, come on. Channing Tatum has, like, really nice abs. Anyway. <laughs> but, like, 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 I did not understand. I do think Warren did well. I was, you know, I don't know about the dynamic on the stage. And I was just like, what is it to have been on that stage last night? It's not like... And I, I think this is where the criticism that people have about women as leaders could unnecessarily come into play because she it did seem like she kind of like removed herself from the conversation at one point when it got to like foreign policy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was complete fucking chaos. Yeah. You have people yelling over each other, like the exchange between Tulsi Gabbard and Tim Ryan arguing about, you know, um, the Af- Afghanistan and, uh, 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 you know, Tim Ryan, which she, you know, was in the military at that time, right? So I'm pretty sure she knows who she was, like, ordered to kill, right? So, like, <laughs> you have Tim Ryan yelling at her about the Taliban, and she's like, it was Al-Qaeda. And he's like, no, it was the Taliban. She was like, no, Al-Qaeda went and hid behind the Taliban skirt, but it was Al-Qaeda <laughs> that did September 11th. Like, come on. They're arguing about who was responsible for September 11th, and it was so embarrassing. So on the one hand, there are people who are like, well, Elizabeth Warren didn't really get in there with all those that conversation was happening. But on the other hand, I felt kind of like, I mean, she's a school teacher, right? Right. So it's like looking at the kids arguing on the playground, like, y'all finish yet? You ready? You exactly. done? Can we, Why don't can y'all we? clear this up and then shut up? Right. Right. Hit her with the bird man. Is you finished or is you done? <laughs> so what did you think about our good friend Beto? We got to spend some time with Beto's campaign when, when they were here in Atlanta. What did you think about, like, just that whole, you know, his whole... I mean, he started off in Spanish and didn't necessarily mm. answer the Did question. He? Was that Spanish? <laughs> I don't know. Was it Spanish? You know, it's not. I don't know which version of Beto showed up yesterday. Like, either um, either this was the real Beto, mm-hmm. and and then I, then I don't know what people in Texas saw, and he um, mm. has been fin- mm-hmm. finessing everyone for a really long time, mm-hmm. or that he just looks real funny in the light, and that in comparison to some right. of the heavyweights on the stage, he fell down on the job. Right. Or yeah. again, or just, or just again, the invitation of the comparison that the Beto Sheen looks Ooh. real dull mm-hmm. standing yeah. next to Booker and Warren, etc. Right. Again, I don't know if it's an off night or if putting him on stage next to everybody. I don't think it's no, off no, night. No, 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 it's not an off night. It can't be. Commentary I mean, this morning. Exactly. Real, real. The caucasity. I mean, look, him trying to check Julian Castro on immigration is like, and no one has done more on family separation than Beto O'Rourke. Good lord! It's like, hi, Jeff Merkley, (laughs) (laughs) Senator Jeff Merkley. Just, just to name someone, just throw some out there. Um, You know, tons of organizers. It, it definitely. So again, back to being like messy and petty. It definitely felt like Julian Castro was coming for Beto. Definitely. 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 Under no circumstances will I ever let Robert Francis O'Rourke <laughs> out Latino me. Right. <laughs> right. Under like, no you, circumstances. You know who I am. Let me, let me, right. like, me and my twin brother are whole ass Latinos. I don't give a damn if nobody votes for me ever. Right. This might be the end of my political <laughs> career, but Robert Francis, you're not gonna out-immigration but me. But Julian, Julian showed, but Julian showed why Hillary Clinton made a huge mistake not picking him as VP Ciao. and picking another white man. Yeah, he speaks Spanish. So does like, Leon like folks, like, like I saw some Latinx folks that I follow on Twitter just pointing out, like, you know, just because someone doesn't speak fluent Spanish or whatever doesn't mean they're not Latino. And people have right. tried to do that with Julian, right? And I think, you know, I saw someone saying, well, he's speaking Spanish, so he's trying to pander. I think that there is maybe... 
like his it's, it's it's almost like with 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 those of us who get questioned about our authenticity about blackness i think in this race with 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 beto and the adoration for him up until this point that has happened and julian has gotten passed over i mean he has some yeah, pretty cool policy in terms of immigration the the policing accountability platform he has i mean he's talking about like when he went i think they were in uh vegas and nevada and they were in those tunnels mm-hmm. where, where where the unhoused people were on people who were unhoused have been living and stuff yeah. like he's been doing some things that 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 should be grabbing attention but it's just not because the focus has been on Beto and Buttigieg and other yeah. you know folks who are like why are we talking men. about them right and also can we keep it a buck I mean Beto and Buttigieg are basically um creations of the again corporate media mm-hmm. like the like the the battery in their back is media elites writing about them and extending their shelf life. Right? 100%. We're, we're talking about the mayor with all due respect of, uh, you know, South Bend, Indiana. And we're talking about a dude that lost uh, his Senate race. To the Zodiac, um, to the Zodiac less. killer, to yes. The, <laughs> right, like, the, I, the, I, the, 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 the fact I think, again, the corporate media elites have been this sort of Ziploc bag for their accounts, uh, for their candidacies, Mm -hmm. making sure that they Mm -hmm. stay fresh. Because they should have been (laughs) spoiled a long time ago. Like, you throw that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we don't we don't need or want this. This is actually right, like, right, well right. past that, time to go. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting seeing like how things unfold tonight because you have like last night it kind of felt like like Warren and maybe like you know Warren and maybe Booker because he's been a little bit more uh, established presence, but he hasn't been really hitting you know the way I think you know he must have envisioned he would if he was going to run but it just really felt like, like that was the jv that he was going to be running against so many yeah i mean honestly i don't no, think he envisioned no, no, that he was no, going to no, be running no, against no, no. so many other people and of i don't color. agree with that because look yeah. white mediocrity will get a stage they'll get a place all the time like you're gonna always have a beto over on the on the stage you're always gonna have a pete Buttigieg, and like you know, if you put Pete Buttigieg and Beto O'Rourke up against Cory Booker, Cory Booker comes up looking like a pile of roses. But if you put Cory Booker up next to lots of other options, then, you know, he maybe he don't look that good. Yeah, and so so just, I, you go ahead and say. I was just going to flag this, though. You know, um, like, I, there are a lot of people who think that social media posts is politics. Right. Right? There are a lot of people One of them is Donald that, Trump. Uh, and you know, like... <laughs> MSNBC appearances is politics, and it's not. And I'm, the reason that it, I still can't count Booker out is because of their ground game. Like, yeah, the yeah. idea yeah. that no, 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 that's instead smart. of putting money into television, yeah. mm-hmm. we're yeah. going to put money into the field. And we're going to have face-to-face conversations with actual voters about why they vote for me, I think is not a highly visible strategy, but that it pays Mm. off in the long run. I agree. I'm not mad at him for running. Yeah. I'm just saying, and I, I, and so, listen, when you think about the Iowa caucuses, which are in early February, right, Mm -hmm. and you think about, like, where we were right now in the 08 cycle and in the 12 cycle, right, where we're talking about, you know, uh, Rick Santorum, you know, won the Iowa caucuses, (laughs) right, right, right. What a world. Exactly, and I think that we need to be mindful about that, right, because when you think about the Iowa caucus, I mean, it's really, as as someone who spends a a living, my life trying to figure out how to get people to vote, it's really, really hard. Mm -hmm. So getting people to caucus is even more difficult. Mm -hmm. I'm going to sit in this high school gym all day with my neighbors. (laughs) Yelling at them. with my neighbors. (laughs) Like literally yelling at them. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All day, right? And so that is the work of, like, zealots and people who really, really Mm -hmm. ride for your campaign. And, like, Obama won by putting in the work on the ground Mm -hmm. in Iowa. He was down by 30 points in Mm -hmm. the polls Mm -hmm. at this point. (laughs) People didn't even know who he was, right? So I just think that. It's still too early to tell. It's still a lot of my, that's a lot of motherfuckers on the stage, and that we Way need to be too mindful. many on the stage, but that's all I'm saying. <laughs> right, 
and we need to be focused on people who have an actual organization yeah. and who actually have a ground game. I definitely appreciate that. And just thinking about, I mean, what you just said also with the example of Obama is part of the whole conversation about debunking this electability BS too. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I mean, Obama is the only Democrat to win in the 21st century. Right. <laughs> and you know, like you said, completely did not follow the rule book in terms of what Democrats were were were, were thinking was supposed to happen. So as we're, we're we're wrapping up, what are some of your thoughts as folks look ahead? You know, in terms of this this next um, debate happening, part two. Um, I know some people tried to frame last night as a JV debate, but I think what happened on the stage last night was just as important as whatever's going to go down tonight. And uh, it, it, it it's going to be interesting to see how. You know, Kamala and, and Kirsten and I guess Marianne Williamson is on the stage. You know, mm-hmm. Oprah's spiritual guru has, has made the, the stage, too. <laughs> um, Oprah did not run, but her spiritual advisor did. So uh, how do we what do you what are you thinking? You know how things might shake out tonight or what are some of the things that you really think people should be focusing on um, when they're when they're gleaning? <laughs> I know two hours with all them people is a long time, y'all. I will be live tweeting, though. But um, for the culture, <laughs> but you can just read Noah's tweets. <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you think kind of insight? Just looking ahead to all these people we will have Biden and Bernie and uh, who else? The Kamala rest. and uh, a whole bunch of other people, too. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. a lot others of and others and cetera, others. Dot, dot, actually, dot. There is actually a promo that says that and others. Goodbye. It, it <laughs> names the top four people. Joined by others. That is what disturbing. the promo says. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Um, listen, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking to, uh, you know, to send more people off the island. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. um, this evening and to just get some clarity. Again, I, and maybe it's just me, but it just feels like it's still really early and there's just a lot of people. Um, and I don't know, that's probably not the best answer, but I want to. I think that's um, a good, perfectly fine answer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what else can we honestly like? What what can we expect from this moment in time? Like, it is June, about to be July, twenty nineteen. This election is a really long time away. So, Insay, thank you so much for taking time. Like I said, I know you are busy. And appreciate all the work that you do and how we all build in sisterhood and partnership together. So I really do appreciate. And this is your first time, both you and your Amy. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. This Yay. is your first time, both well, of you, on my you podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is a long time coming. And I'm super, super grateful we were able to make it happen. And I hope that it absolutely won't be the last time. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> we will figure out yeah, how to do this again. We're doing it again. You and me. Tag guys. Love you too. Thank you, Insane. Uh, you all, I'm gonna kick it to Amy so we can get some final amazing thoughts from Amy. But this has been like a dream for me because Insane and I have been trying to connect for so long. I mean, I see her often, but we're usually doing work and we don't have time to record. And Amy too. Um, Amy had this really dope gathering. So, so r- real quick plug for how awesome my girl sitting in the <laughs> studio is with me. She had this really great gathering, which I think I talked about last summer. Um, where she brought a bunch of us together, and, um, and Amy used to do a podcast. Oh, we built this. We built this, <laughs> and you know, I always, I always sing the song. We built this city. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I would hear it, we built this. But you know, Amy has done a lot of really impactful work around you know communications organizing and 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 really infusing. Uh, collective action and power in these digital spaces, but also off like what that translates into how we engage online. I mean, offline. And I've learned so much in my own work from her. And so I just want to kick to her as we're wrapping up this political segment about, you know, the cases and the, the debate that's going on. What are some things that you think, Amy, that people should be looking for, you know, just thinking about everything that's taking place this week with the debates and then the work that we have to do going forward, whether we're talking about, you know, our digital social organizing and how that translates to real actionable work on the ground. Wow. I mean, first of all, thank you for having me here. I have been listening to you for so long and I love you. And I really love that I get to work with you all the time. Um, I we were talking on the way here. We were having a conversation about uh, communications professionals as organizers and like really like breaking this idea that communications and digital communications included uh, are separate somehow from organizing and that this isn't part and parcel of the same thing. 
Um, most of my work, my whole adult life has been in communications and organizing and using communications tools as organizing tactics. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I'm passionate about for the same reason that NSA brought up about like the ways that we are not only like working with community to figure out like what are the problems and how can we address them through like an electoral strategy or through any other kinds of strategies that we might need. And in addition to that, also working with legislators and like elected officials on how to actually do good governance. And like we're we're in this like you know hyper intense media moment around this like presidential election where people are using very sophisticated and sometimes not that sophisticated tactics to reach lots of people. And it can be overwhelming. Like if you're a person who's not like steeped in this garbage, um, or even if you are, quite frankly, it can be overwhelming. And mm -hmm. it's it's like sometimes like painful. You want to shut it out. You're like, I can't do this. I have to turn this off because there's literally 45 people screaming on my TV. That stuff is a lot. But the underpinning of it all is that like we we need to our job as communications professionals, as organizers, is to like actually take what we are hearing and experiencing and like translate that in a real way like keep it super 100 and say like this is while you might be the supreme court is going to talk about this thing like this they're going to use their lawyer language to like obfuscate what they're actually trying to do and they have like all these like you know they have like a group of people in their like nonpartisan slash actually partisan cadre where they're going to like be able to message it in a way that makes you feel like you're not understanding yeah. or makes you yeah. feel like this isn't about you or makes you feel like this isn't something that you need to be paying attention to and so our job is to like take what we're seeing and hearing and translate it in a way that actual people can understand and and then ha figure out like work together in community to figure out like how are we going to have an actual response mm -hmm. to this what are we going to do to make sure that this Re, like dystopian reality doesn't become true. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're gonna put a pin in it right there <laughs> because yeah, I mean, we got work to do. We got That's work to do. It's it's real talk. We literally actually do have work to do today. Um, but you can catch me uh, on Twitter. You already know where to find me at the way with Fanoa. And also, definitely, you were listening to uh, Insay Ufa, who's executive director of the New Georgia Project and New Georgia Project Action Fund. You can find both on Twitter as well. Um, and Instagram and Facebook, definitely please go check out, like, retweet. Um, sign up things. on the NewGeorgiaProject.org website. Sign up for the newsletter and, and, and support the work because if we're going to overcome what has been happening and what is coming, we have to work together. We have to build it ourselves because there is no special magical savior that's going to fix this moment for us. And um, Amy, where can people find you if they want to check you out some more? Oh, I mean, they can find me on all of those New Georgia Project uh, places. But you can also find me on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, like all the things uh, at Amy Orleans. That's A-I-M-E-E -E, Orleans, like New Orleans, O-R-L-E-A-N-S. Amy, Amy said something really funny about Amy's and Amy Klobuchar giving the other Amy's a bad name. She is. And She's I, doing us dirty. We need to kick her off the island. Because, but this is one of the good Amy's that's been on the episode of The Way with Anoa with me. I am Anoa Changa, your hostess with the Moses, and we are out. Thank you.